0: Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. While sitting near the front porch one morning, John looked out the window and he saw something hanging from his dog's mouth. Sure enough, it was his neighbor's pet rabbit that was now dead. John was not only stunned, but he was a little nervous too, slightly scared even, and he sat down and began to devise a plan that would work out well for both parties, his neighbor and himself. And so he gingerly pulls the rabbit from the dog's mouth and brings it to the kitchen where he washes off all the dirt. He takes it into the restroom and pulls out the hairdryer. Spend several minutes blow drying the dead rabbit till it was nice and fluffy. Later that night, John you know, you get you get these crazy ideas. John crawled over his fence and back into his neighbor's yard. He opens the door to where the rabbit lived, quickly shuts the door and he quietly sneaks back into his yard, looked at his dog, and you know, listen. Buddy, I just saved your bacon here because this could have been bad, 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 bad for you. And the next next morning, to his surprise, he hears somebody ringing the doorbell, knocking on the door. And John answers, and to his surprise, his neighbor was holding the dead rabbit. And he was not happy, as you can imagine. He said, John, we have a very, very sick individual on our hands here. And John said, "What, what What are you talking about, man? I don't understand. Why do you say that? He said, well, my rabbit died three days ago and I buried it, but some crazy person just dug it up, fluffed it up, and put it back in the rabbit cage. We've got a real crazy person on our hands here, John. Honestly, I went back and forth whether to tell that in this service. I didn't know if it was too early for a corny joke, but you guys bit. Well, well done. Good job. <laughs> well, uh, obviously, I am not your senior pastor. Hopefully, I'm not a crazy person either today bringing the Word of God to you. Pastor Johnson is in San Antonio preaching for, for Pastor Steve Fender today. He sends his love. And you know, you know wherever he is. This is true. It doesn't matter if he's preaching somewhere, if he's on a trip, whatever. He's thinking about this house and how everybody in this house is doing. So he sends his love. He will be in the pulpit next Sunday. So please, if you're a guest, do yourself a favor. Come back and uh, be in church with us next Sunday. Hear our senior pastor bring the word of God to us. We're in a series, pastor started last week, entitled How's Your Soul? How's Your Soul? And so we're looking at Really, this passage of Scripture is kind of where we get this idea from. And I want to read it to you. It's really short. You can stay seated. It's one verse. 3 John, verse number 2, it says this. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so here's the question that we're going to be addressing throughout this series and throughout our time together today. And the question is this, is it possible to have everything on the outside, but be unwell, unsuccessful, and small on the inside? And I think you know the answer to that. It's, it's more common than what we might think, even to the eye that we can see. There, there's people that, that seem to have it all going well outwardly, but on the inside, they're searching, they're longing, they're looking, they're unsettled. It's the society that we live in today, and I, I believe, and I'm sure you probably hold something similar to this, that true success isn't determined on the outside, but it's determined with what you have on the inside of you. Jesus would say this in Mark chapter 8, verse 36 and 7. He says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul, and this is where Pastor Johnson started us off last week. If you'll remember, he, he talked about the idea that there is no stew that tastes good enough to trade in your soul for. There, there's nothing that this world can offer you that's good enough for what God has designed for your life. And so, let me ask you kind of a a weird question today. Okay, we're gonna. This is how we're gonna kind of theme. Um, our time together today. Let let me ask, how is your soul? Seriously, think about it for a second. How's your soul? How is the inside of you, not, not the outside that everybody sees, but the deep down inside the middle of you when you lay your head down at night, how is that part of you? And I would be willing to guess that this is probably a a question, right, that I, I don't really know how to answer you properly, Brad. I, I'm not really sure where to start to begin, really, to find the answer to how my soul is. And so... This is the reason that we're talking about this because we strive so hard to be successful on the outside and to have all the money that we can get to take care of our kids, to buy a new house, to buy a new car, to keep up with the Joneses while all along being unhealthy, unsuccessful and small on the inside. And so if we really believe, right, if we really believe that we can have everything on the outside but still be small and hurting and unsuccessful on the inside, and if we really believe that that real success is not determined on the outside, but it's really what you have on the inside, then I think it's necessary for you and I to figure out how we can cultivate a healthy soul. How we can cultivate a healthy inside. So where do we start with that, right? Where, where do we begin? How do we, how do we know how to cultivate this healthy inside? And I, I think to, to answer these questions, we can start at the beginning. This is a, a very good place in the book of Genesis we can turn and, and really get a good grasp on this, this whole idea of cultivating a healthy inside. Genesis chapter 2 records for us when, when God first made human beings. It says this in verse 7, Then God formed the man of the dust. So, what he's saying, he's got a shape, he's got hands, he's got eyes, he's got arms. he's, He's formed, right? Yeah. From the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Isn't it interesting this morning to understand that until the man received breath from God, he was a lifeless form. Sure, he had shape. Sure, he may have had toes and and fingers and ears and eyebrows and lips. But until he received the breath of God, he was not truly living. And this speaks to us about the way that you and I were made. Our our form, what you have on the outside, is not what makes you truly alive. Your outside is not what makes you alive. A living creature. The fact that you have hands and toes and eyes. No, no, no. That's not what makes you a living creature. That's not it at all. Although you could see a form. Man was not alive until God breathed into you. And so anytime we breathe. Anytime we sing. Anytime that we we speak. It's because God has given you breath in your body. And I think it's important to note. God did not breathe his breath into animals. He didn't breathe his breath into trees, into mountains, into seas. The only thing that he breathed his breath of life into was you. The only thing that he took the time to stop and say, you know what, I'll speak this into existence. But more than creating a form, I'm going to breathe my breath of life into you human beings. You and I are the only things that he has breathed his breath into. I guess it could be said this morning that you and I are living on borrowed breath. We're living on the borrowed breath of God. And isn't it interesting, right? Sometimes we wonder if God really loves me. We we all do. We've all been there. Maybe it's not you today, but maybe it'll be you tomorrow, or it's been you yesterday. We, does God really care about my situation? Does He really care about what's going on with me? Do I just sometimes I'm really not sure. Can I tell you that His priority was and still is you? You are at the top of His list. He puts you above every other thing that He created. But God, I don't really... No, no, no. He breathed life into your lungs. Does He care about you? He breathed His breath of life. That's how valuable you are. That's how significant you are. That's how important you are. And that's how involved God is with you. He breathed His breath of life into your lifeless form so that you could truly live in our Souls began the moment that God shared his breath with mankind. And therefore our souls came from God. They depend on God. And we're always longing for God. And with that, let me ask you another question. And it may sound weird at first, but stay with me. We'll get there. We'll make it clear. When was the last time your soul was home. When was the last time your soul has been home? Let me let me say it like this. If you travel uh, any amount at all, you'll know that what Dorothy said is true. There is no place like home. We were just recently, Pastor mentioned it last week. We were in Birmingham on a trip and, you know, really... Going on a trip, this whole idea of longing for home really starts for me the moment that I leave, right? And let me say it like this. So you you get on an airplane... And you're excited wherever it is. Maybe it's even, I don't know if it's a business trip or what we were doing, you know, meeting with an architectural company about expanding the church. So for us, it, we were pumped. We were, oh, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be awesome. Can't wait. Woo, let's go. So your energy's good, right? So the plane ride, plane rides are just a huge waste of time. That's all they are for me. I've, uh, anyway, so I'm on the plane. And, and going, it's really not that bad because you're like, I hey, this this. And it doesn't really matter how long the flight is. You're anticipating what's going to happen. But it's not that bad because you're excited about where you're going and what you're going to do, right? And so, you know, that part's the easy part. But here's where I start being reminded of home. You land, you go to whatever it is. We were sitting in meetings all day. Go through that. And then you go to a restaurant. That's what all good human beings do. We have to eat. So we, we yelp, you know, great restaurants in whatever city that we're at. find the best rating. We, yeah, let's go. Let's go eat a hamburger. Doesn't taste just like the one in Austin. It's got to be different. Oh, It's just meat and cheese and ba- pretty much all the same. But it's got good ratings. So we go there. And you sit down to eat. And if you have any experience like me, which I know many of you do, but not all of you, I sit down to eat and I think the moment that I take a bite of this food, I think, you know, this is good. But if my wife were cooking, it would be so much better. My wife is an amazing cook. And so from that moment, I'm like, she knows my go-to meal. Y'all don't make fun of me. My go-to meal is spaghetti, green beans, and corn. Okay, that's what I love. Don't put me down. Don't shame me. She knows. She's like, Brad, what do you want? What do you think I want? You know what I want. This is, this is it. And so I go there, I'm like, man, so my mind is already going back to home and we haven't even gotten through one day of the trip. You know, I'm already thinking about home. And then so you eat, you're like, okay, this is okay. And then you you go to your hotel, you check in, you have to go through that whole process. You get your room key, hopefully it works. Isn't that frustrating? You get there and you're like, no, I got to go all the way back downstairs and get a new room key. That didn't happen to me, thank God, but it's awful when it does. Okay, so you walk in the door of your hotel. This is where the struggle is real, folks. You walk in and you're ready to put your bags down, everything down. Have you thought about this? Where do you put your keys and your wallet in a hotel? There's so many places, right? Do you put it on the nightstand? Do you put it over by the TV? Like, I I don't have my spot in a hotel, what, what, where's my cell phone going to go? All my chargers? What, how, how am I going to charge my iPad, my Apple Watch? I mean, I, I, I don't know what to do now. And I think about home, like at home, I know. I mean, it just, whoop, there it goes. Ah, yes, I know. But then, hang on, it gets worse. It gets worse. It's time for bed. Turn sports center off. They're calling my wife, telling her goodnight. And you lay down in the bed. No. And the the immediate feeling that hit my body, the thought that hit me was like, this is not my bed. Doesn't matter how nice of a place you... This is not... No, 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 my bed's a little softer. Maybe it's a little firmer. This is not my bed. But that's not the worst part. Here's the worst part. Are you ready? You lay down and your head hits... The pillow. And you would think out of the 4,000 pillows that they put on your bed, that you could find one that would be perfect for the way that you like to sleep. You know what hotels forget to take into account? The thin pillow sleeper. That's me. I don't like much fluff. I don't need, I want a little thin pillow. No hotel ever thinks of me when I travel there. And so I'm automatically drawn home again. I'm constantly thinking about home from the moment I leave, really, I'm thinking about home. And then, let me draw the story out just a little bit longer. You wake up and you, you get on the plane. And plane rides home are the best, but they're also the worst, aren't they? You're excited about going home, but now you're tired, you're worn out from wherever it is, and you're antsy. Maybe y'all don't experience like, like I do, but I, I'm sitting in that seat and there's four centimeters of leg room. My legs start shaking. My knees start hurting. I, it just, I'm like, oh, the, the air starts to smell weird, you know. It's like the temperature's not right and you're just, you just want to stand up, but if you do, you're going to hit your head on the luggage rack, so you can't do that either. Just frustrating, but the, the wheels hit the ground and you're like, ah, finally. I'm in the city where I'm supposed to be. I'm back home. There's no place like home. And then, let's keep going. I'm almost done. You get in your car. Not with the message, just with this story. You get in your car. You drive home. You pull in the driveway. You hit the garage door. You pull in. For those of you that have clean garages, you pull your car in the garage. You open the door. (sighs) Honey, I'm home. No, it doesn't go that way. Let's be honest. Okay. (laughs) You walk in. You smell your family musk the way that your house smells. Don't lie. You know that your house has a smell. It's not bad. It's just your house's smell. It's good. You walk in. Ah! I know exactly where my keys go. Right there, like they do every other day. Here's where my cell phone is charged. This is perfect. And this one cannot be. This you, you can't say enough about this. You get home, you walk into your bathroom. My own personal bathroom. I know where all my stuff goes from my toiletry bag. I'm not cramming it all together. My toothbrush isn't here. No, no, no. It's in the perfect spot. I'm home. There's no place like home. Do you believe that today? There's really no place like your home. There's no place like my home. There's really no place like home. And listen, your home doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be opulent. It doesn't have to be something grand. There's just something special about being in the place that you call home. And so what about your soul? What about the inside of you? Have you ever thought that your soul just might have a home as well. Where does your soul go for reprieve? Where does your soul go to feel secure? How, how does all that is within you find rest and be at ease? I want to take you to the book of Psalms, chapter 103. It has 22 verses, and, and it happens to be the exact number... In the Hebrew alphabet. And so really Psalm 103 uh, encapsulates the A to Z of life. In fact many Hebrews believe that this was kind of the entire Bible wrapped up into one chapter. And you know how this book begins? And you know how this book ends? Watch this, it's going to be on the screen. It starts like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Now watch the last verse, verse 22. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all his works in all places of dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. When you look up the the phrase, bless the Lord, O my soul, in, in Hebrew, here's what it means. It means with affection and gratitude to praise God. The soul here is synonymous with the word breath. So what David is writing is this. Praise the Lord with affection and with gratitude, wholeheartedly with honesty and authenticity. Praise the Lord, oh my breath. He's literally telling his lungs and the air in his body, I want you to formulate words of affection, in words of gratitude, bless the Lord, oh my soul. It's as if the, the author here who gives us 22 verses is telling us that this is the whole of life, that this is what it's all about. You start your life with one primary function and that's to use the borrowed breath of God to give it back to the one who gave it to you. And you end your life with the very same objective to use your borrowed breath to give it back to the one who gave it to you in the first place. So let's widen our scope for just a second. I don't want you to think about just Psalm 103 here, but do you know how the entire book of Psalms concludes? It's one of the most powerful and beautifully written books. And here's how it ends. Are you ready? This is is the chapter. It's pretty short. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him in His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Verse number five. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. And the last verse. Let everything that has what? Breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the The Lord, let everything that has breath, that has soul, praise the Lord. We're being told very clearly here that our souls were meant to praise. Our souls, the inside of us, were meant to worship our Creator passionately, affectionately. How does your soul come home? How does your soul find rest It's when you use your borrowed breath that you have in your body to form words of adoration back to God. You want your soul to find rest today? You've been searching, you've been looking. Why don't you start forming words of adoration, passion back to the Creator who created your body and breathed breath of life into you? That's why you love the music in this church so much. Because when you open your mouth in worship, it brings your soul back to a place where it was designed to be. It brings your soul home. It reconnects you with your creator. Your soul has a chance to to exhale. Your soul has a chance to, to drop all the baggage of life. To find your spots, so to speak. To lay on your pillow and rest. And all of a sudden, right, you've seen this to be true in worship, all of a sudden your marriage isn't as difficult as you thought it was. And all of a sudden you have faith for your children again and you have perspective on your job. Why? Because your soul is refreshed. Your soul is revived. It's come alive again. Why? Because you came Luke chapter 10 verse 38 sets a scene for us where Jesus is in a home, probably in a living room, meeting with some of the the closest people that he has in his group. It's in a setting just like this where Jesus begins to speak about the essence of existence. Jesus is in the home of Mary and Martha. They have a brother, maybe you've heard of him, named Lazarus. And it's a, a classic family situation going on here, okay? Martha is, she's the doer. She's the one that is paying the bills. She, she's cleaning the house. She's the hard worker here. And then you have Mary. Mary is the hopeless romantic. She's the abstract artist, if you will. At least that's how I read them when I, re- when I read it. And Martha, she's in the kitchen. She's making some food, which only makes sense when Jesus is in your home. And honestly, I don't think it's a coincidence that the place where Jesus is about to explain our existence is in a home. That's why we we have life groups, and hopefully you're plugged into one. But the Bible says this in verse 39, that Mary sat at his feet and listened to his teachings until finally Martha gets so frustrated that she walks into the room and says, Jesus, really? Jesus! Jesus! Really? I'm in here um, slaving away. Can you you tell my sister Mary to come help me? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her then to come help me, Jesus. What's going on? Help me. That's how I feel when I'm cleaning the house. I'm like, guys, can you tell Windsor to come help me? He's six. I know, but get him in here. And I love Jesus' response in verse 41. Watch what he says. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. What a word for society today! Is your soul anxious? Is your soul troubled? On the inside, is there, there's some turmoil going on. Maybe you've got the appearance that everything's great on the outside, but how's your soul today? And I get it. Listen, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of injustice in the world that we live in today. There's agony. There's disease. There's so many things to be anxious and to be troubled about. Martha! Martha! Do you see the passion in which Jesus is communicating to her with? In fact, many scholars believe that, uh, that he didn't really say her name two times, but the only way that it could be illustrated in text to really get across what he was trying to say and how passionately it was, was for them to write it two times. So it could have gone something like this, Martha! Jesus wasn't just saying you're anxious and you're, you're frustrated on the outside. No, no, no. He was speaking to the state of her soul. You're anxious and you're troubled about many things that's going on in your world and in your life. And it's not just on the outside, it's on the inside. And there's things that are turning that you can't sleep at night that have you worried. And Martha, Randy, if you'll help me, is not that much different than you and I today. There's so much that trouble. Our society, there's so much that trouble the people that call this place home, that serve Jesus Christ. There's there's things that cause us to be frustrated and to be anxious that that have our soul in the inside of us constantly turning and churning and not not feeling rested but always uneasy. Can you hear the words of your Savior? Can, Can you hear the words of your Deliverer, your Provider? Hey! Hey, sir, hey, hey, ma'am, hey, you are frustrated and you're anxious about many things. And Jesus goes on in verse 42 to say this. This is beautiful. It says, but one thing is essential. One thing is essential. Jesus, are you about to tell us? The one thing which we were made to do, the one thing we were made for, the one thing we were created to do, the one thing we can't live without, the one thing that we'll go crazy if we don't have it, the whole reason that we're on this earth is this it? That's right, Martha. Yeah, that's it. Verse 42 tells her Mary chose it, and it's good. And it will not be taken away from her. What was Mary doing? Mary was coming home. Sure, she was in a home. But she was coming home internally. And the Bible says that she sat there. And she listened. You know what Mary did? She was assuming a posture of worship. Saying, you know what, Lord, whatever you have for me in this moment, I will keep my mouth closed and I will listen to your voice. I will sit at your feet with my arms held out saying, whatever it is that you want to speak to me, Lord, have your way. My soul has to reconnect with you today. And Martha was doing what many of us do and we're not bad for it. We're human, right? We're busy, we... We've got to run errands, we've got life, we've got a minivan, or at least I do. We've got a business, we've got kids, we've got grandkids, we've got to pay for this, we've got to pay for that. And I wonder sometimes if we feel like Martha, Jesus, why don't you tell them to get in here? And Jesus says, Martha! Just listen to me. Do you see what your sister's doing? This is the essence of what it's all about. You're working, you're you're scurrying around, trying to, to get it all together, doing it all on your own, but that's not what I have created you to do. I just need you to get into a posture of worship, to lay at my feet, and to just receive whatever it is that I have for you today.